The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Good to see you this morning. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, for the next half an hour, I'm going to be speaking. I promise it will be half an hour. You've heard that before. And um, I'm aiming for half an hour. And um, so we're going to be talking from John chapter 15. If you want to turn to John chapter 15 in your Bible, paper version, phone version. And I think we've got it on screen as well. I'm going to read it off the screen if that's okay. Purely because I've got my glasses, but I think I need more one of um, one of them pirate telescopes uh, to actually start reading soon. So John chapter 15, something you might be fairly familiar with which is brilliant. If you're not, that's absolutely fine. What we're going to do is going to open up John chapter 15, contains a metaphor, and um, we're going to look at what the metaphor means. It's always important when a Bible speaks about a metaphor to actually get to grips with what the person who is explaining the metaphor is actually saying. The thing about a metaphor is you can look at it and get all sorts of things from it yourself, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what the person in the Bible said It links up. So we have to understand actually what this metaphor is. What is Jesus saying, okay, as he opens up the whole idea of a vine and branches, okay? So first thing, you ever read a metaphor, get a book that explains what the metaphor actually means before you start jumping in and come up with all sorts of fanciful ideas ourselves. So here's what Jesus said. I am the vine, excuse my back. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Oh, that would be a good job, a vine dresser. Anyway, um, I am the, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, and that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Okay, remember that. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Next page. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he he is that bears much fruit. Is that right? He is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Next page. Do you get pages on slides? Next slide. There you go. Dan's nodding. By this, my father is glorified. Remember that. By this, my father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. God, a lot of abiding. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Is that it? Are we there, Dan? I think we're there. That's it. <laughs> is, that, is there any more slides from the Bible verse? Two more. Is there? Keep going then. Sorry. This is my commandment, there is. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have remained made known to you. Last one. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that wherever, whatever you ask for the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So that's John 15, 1 to 17. Well done for sitting through that. If you're confused by all the abides, by the branches, by the vines, by the fruit, by more abides, okay, then what we're going to do is for the next 25 minutes, we're just going to unpack really what Jesus was actually talking about. And the first thing we're going to look at is the metaphor, the picture that Jesus is building, which is all rooted around a vine. That's not a real vine, okay? That's a, it looks more like a, a trumpet that's fallen out of someone's car or something like that. But imagine that is a vine, okay? Why is Jesus using this metaphor? First question, why is he using this metaphor of he is the vine? First thing, the disciples who he was talking to wouldn't have been unfamiliar with vines. There would have been vines all over the place growing grapes for wine and maybe for eating and all that kind of stuff. So as Jesus was explaining this metaphor, it's even possible that they were looking around and there were vines there. Okay, But that's not the vine. That's not the vine. But the disciples would have still understood what Jesus is on about and possibly would have got a bit fidgety and a bit nervous and a bit intrigued because the vine that Jesus was talking about was the nation of Israel. It's the nation of Israel itself. We're going to do some Bible jumping. I need my glasses. If you could turn to Psalm chapter 80. Verses 8 through to 19. Are you ready? This is what Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 80, verse 8 through to 9, 19 says. You bought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches, it sent out its, what's that word, bows, boughs. It sent out its boughs into the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down the walls so that all who pass by pick its fruit? So that all that pass by, yeah, pick its grapes. Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty, look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planned, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire, and your rebuke, your people perish. Let, the hand, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. You've got to remember this bit, okay? Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man that you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not return, then we will not return away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us. O Lord Almighty, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Jesus' is vine. Jesus' is vine that he's talking about is Israel. Okay? The vine that he's talking about is Israel. And he's referring back to the nation of Israel as being a vine. Okay? What happened was 
Israel taken out of Egypt, planted into the promised land. And it's described as a vine because a vine grows. It branches out and it bears fruit. And it's fruit that people can come and take hold of and taste and see if it's good or if it's bad. Why, did you, why, why is this metaphor for Israel? What he's saying is God is taking his people out of slavery, put them into a promised land. He's going to plant them. He's going to bless them. He's going to prosper them. He's going to make his face shine on them. And that vine, that nation will grow and grow to spread out. Okay. But why? Why, why does God want that? It talks about in Isaiah so that the nations may see the splendor and the glory of God himself through the nation of Israel, and that they will be a light unto the Gentiles. The nation of Israel was on mission. It was a missional thing. God chose his people. He took them out of slavery, put them into a promised land to prosper and to grow, but not for their own benefit, for the benefit of the Gentiles around and that every person would see the display and the splendor and the glory of God himself through his chosen people. The problem is, after hundreds of years, the nation of Israel started to be more infected by the nations around them, by bowing down to their gods, bowing down to their idols. They became more and more disobedient to the way of God and allowed other things to come into their ways of thinking, their ways of doing. And so they declined over hundreds and hundreds of years to the point where they killed their own prophets, these important people, and to the point where they killed the Son of God himself. The nation of Israel that was supposed to be the display and the splendor of God across the planet to be a light to the Gentiles fell into disobedience and came away from God and didn't really fully stick to the mission that they were supposed to do through obedience. Do you get that? What does Jesus say? I am the true vine. Jesus says himself, I am the true vine. Let me catch up on myself on my notes. Do you remember a minute ago when I talked about in Psalm 80? It says this, divine Israel, what we just talked about, and the hope resting in the new way for the mission of God across the planet. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then revive us and restore us and make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. This is the content and the context to which Jesus is speaking into. The vine and the branches, I always thought was just about me bearing good fruit and for me. I'm going to be honest, but it's not just about me. It's about the display and the splendor of the glory of God to the nations and to be a light to the Gentiles, to those people that know nothing about God. It's not about you. 
It's not just about you and it's not just about me. We're called to something bigger, brighter, wilder, edgier. Actually quite beautiful. Very exciting. We're called to a life bigger than ourselves. But we are a part of it. So Jesus is saying that the mission has changed hands. Jesus is now the true vine and his followers are the branches to bear fruit to show the world that God is the one true God and if you taste and see, you will see that he is good. This is a renewal of mission through Jesus himself and that is why he is planted slap bang in the middle as the head of the church. This is the renewal of the mission of God. And Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. And then he begins to open it up even more. You are the branches. Okay? Are you with me? It's good, isn't it? Sounds like Jesus knew what he was on about. We'll see if I do as this goes on. He calls his disciples a branch. Don't look like much of a branch. It's plastic, it's all right. He calls his disciples a branch, okay? And through this branch, much fruit will be born toward the display and the splendor of God among the nations to be a light to the Gentiles. Jesus, the vine, talks to his branch. Branches, you're going to bear much fruit. In the context of what I've just been talking about, can you imagine how the disciples felt? I'm going to be the display and the splendor of God in the nations and the lights of the Gentiles. Are you serious? Do you know what I'm like? You spent some time with us, Jesus. You already know that I'm an absolute mess. How on earth is this going to work? They wouldn't be guilty in thinking, well, if I produce fruit on my own, then maybe I can be more accepted to Jesus more and more and more, and I might just be good enough to actually be joined to him. Do you get that? If I'm good enough, I might be able to be joined to Jesus, let alone be a display and splendor, splendor, splendor of God among the nations. That is why one of the first things Jesus said is, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. If anyone in this room is trying to get to God by doing good things, you first got to hear Jesus say, the only way you can come to me is because of the word I've spoken to you already. That's salvation. His work of salvation is the one way you are going to get to God and be right with God and be right enough. It's the only way. The only way. And he makes it clear to his disciples straight off, the only way you're going to do this is because the word I've already spoken to you. Okay? Magic. Look at that for a picture. Jesus, the vine. You, if you're a Christian, you are a branch. You are a branch. Now, don't bat away any ideas that you're not. You are. 
okay? Let that sink in a minute. Because of the word that Jesus has spoken to you, that's made you clean, you are a branch that is linked to Christ himself. Without him, you can do nothing. Got that? Do you need a minute to look at it in wonder at the piece of art that is slowly beginning to, um, slowly beginning to form before your very eyes? Jesus doesn't leave it there, okay? He carries on opening up this metaphor. It's all well and good being the vine and the branches, but he talks about bearing fruit. The thing I love about Jesus is he doesn't just leave it there, walk off and say, I'll leave you to get on with it now. He actually comes up with three or four, it says in a commentary, secrets to bearing fruit for mission, really. But really, he comes up with three or four different things that are just brilliant that will help us bear fruit. Why do we bear fruit? Yeah, what's the purpose of bearing fruit? Glory of God among the nations, okay? So how do we bear fruit on that? I've got no way of putting fruit on that, going to be honest, that's as good as it gets. Please don't get any more excited than that, okay? So I could have got some grapes and stuck them on, but it just would have got a bit messy. First thing, one of the secrets of bearing fruit, okay, that Jesus talks about. Do you remember the vine dresser, the father, and pruning? There's two areas of pruning that Jesus talks about bearing fruit. The first thing is any branch that doesn't bear fruit, the father cuts off and throws into the fire. I actually think he's talking about Judas Iscariot there. So I'm not really going to go down that path. The path we're going to go down is the bit where he talks about branches that already bear fruit. Someone's had enough of me already, sorry. Branches that bear, branches that bear fruit already. And what Jesus said is the father even prunes the branches that even bear fruit so that they can grow even more fruit. Now, I know we hear this a lot in church sometimes, okay? But there is genuinely a purpose why we go through some rubbish stuff because it does us good, apparently. But it does do us good, okay? I often sit down with a friend of mine, I hope he don't mind me saying, Glenn. And um, do you know what? You make me emotional. Don't know why. <sighs> Probably because I always have to buy you a coffee and you never buy me. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> there are people that go through stuff every day. Every day and they're resilient and they're strong because they hold on to the word of God. But God is doing such an incredible work in their life along the way. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's gritty. You want to know what a gritty edge is? That's a gritty edge. Going through some stuff, coming out the other side, where God has been at work in your life and you've allowed God to be at work in your life. And is that to shave off a few attitudes and perspectives that are just not right? The one thing about repentance in the kingdom of God that message of repentance that is core to the kingdom of God is, before you were a Christian, you were going one way. You became a Christian. Repentance is going another way. And sometimes being pruned is repentance. 
and turning to face the right way and allowing God to come in and really begin an amazing work in your life. Okay? And we often talk about breaking chains. Breaking chains sometimes happens in the area of pruning. We sing songs about it. It happens. But it happens in the area of pruning where God comes and deals with some deep stuff so that things are different for you. That's true breaking chains. Later it talks in his Bible, that talks in his verse about bearing fruit that lasts. I want to be changed with a lasting effect and not just feel all right after a nice prayer meeting. I want my life to be changed deeply. And I've had that. And it hasn't been easy, but it works because Jesus is alive and this stuff's true. There's a pruning that happens where you bear fruit for the glory in the nations of the world around you, for a light to the Gentiles, because they see it. My mates see me now differently to what I was 15, 20 years ago, believe me. It's a display and a splendor to the glory of God. There is a pruning that happens. The word of God is a pruner. Hardships, trials, fruits of the Spirit. You want to pray for patience? Guarantee you, I can pray for you over there at the prayer flag. You won't have a nice feeling of patience all of a sudden. Tomorrow, you will run into the worst bloke ever who runs into the back of your car and is really irritating, and then you've got to put patience into practice because it is actually there. It just needs to grow. Am I being a bit too blunt? I think God works in the everyday normal stuff around us and not in the overly spiritual stuff. That's good. It's normal everyday life where God works in us. Second one. You might not like this one much either. Jesus says, remain in Jesus. I'm going to read this off of here. The disciples' relationship with Jesus is fundamentally about bearing fruit. Okay, It's about bearing fruit. Without Jesus, we can't bear fruit. It's not humanly possible without Jesus, but his work through us makes that happen. We do this through communing with Jesus. That's the remaining in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Paul touched on this last week, John 14, 20. Holy Spirit, vital in that. Okay, But it's also a very moral relationship. Your relationship with Jesus is very moral. If you obey my commands, you will, you will remain in my love. Remaining is characterized by obeying. Remaining in Jesus is characterized by obeying. Okay? Remaining is conditional upon obeying. Just as Jesus obeyed the Father, so we are to obey Jesus. Okay? Where Israel failed in their disobedience, Jesus fulfilled in his obedience to the Father. And now, in the way that he obeyed, we are called to obey him. And the way you abide is to obey Jesus. Do what he says. Understand, get to grips with what he's saying in the Bible, his teachings. 
That's what it means to abide. We need the Holy Spirit 100%, but not at the decline of the Word of God, which we need 100%. Jesus didn't say, if you want to abide in me, just stay in the Holy Spirit with your hands held high. He said, if you want to abide in me, you get to grips with the Word of God, with what I'm saying, and you do what I say. As he's the teacher, the one we follow. Even the talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14, what does the great counsellor do? It reminds us of all Jesus said and leads us into all truth. You can't separate the two. So please don't just think abiding is praying for more of the Holy Spirit without the word of God. More often than not, the Holy Spirit reveals the word of God. So if you want to abide more, get more into the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to open it up more and guide you and teach you in the way you should go and shave a few things off in here. It's gritty, isn't it? We talked about a gritty edge a few times. This is what it is, okay? Remain in Jesus. There's a great quote. Abiding in Christ must not be reduced to a subjective, mystical inner state. The mark of abiding heart is not is not only or even principally a sense of inner serenity, but a conscience clean before God and man. It's allowing Jesus' word to remain in us. That's what it means to abide in Christ. Okay? Let's not sit back and let the Holy Spirit do all the work. Open your Bible. Learn it. What's Jesus saying? What's that metaphor mean? Get to grips with it. Let it rattle around in your brain. Let it get you a bit uncomfortable. Okay? Let it get you a bit uncomfortable. That's all right. Don't judge it all by feeling nice inside or feeling anything. Pick up your Bible and read it. Don't evaluate it by how you feel. Pick it up and read it. I'm sorry, that sounded a bit bossy. This is obedience to Jesus third one are you with me brilliant I'm on time if you're new here that means nothing to you but other people they're probably thinking yeah it's about time okay two more things and then I'm going to round out third thing bearing fruit for a display and the splendor of the nations and the light to the Gentiles praying in Jesus' name now praying in Jesus' name does not just mean put in, in Jesus' name at the end of it. Okay? Doesn't mean that. What it does mean is praying in Jesus' authority. Doesn't mean that here. This is an addition into praying in with his authority. We are talking about abiding in Christ. What this means is, because it goes on to say things like, ask and it will be, like, ask whatever you say in my name and it will be given to you. This is about two hearts joining. As you abide in Christ, you've got your heart. I forgot about the tree, and I. You've got, you've, got, you've got you, and you've got Jesus. Praying in Jesus' name means this. As you come to Jesus, you are so joined to him that you begin to pick up what his heart is. And as you pick up what his heart is, you begin to pray out of what his heart is. And so praying in Jesus' name means as you abide in Christ and his shaving and pruning and all that kind of stuff, 
and you're going into the word of God that says, therefore, go and make disciples and the heart for the nations. And you get to grips with actually God has a massive heart for humanity. He loves, he cares, he is interested, he is very involved, even if you think he's not. As you pick these things up, it changes your prayer life. Praying in Jesus' name means I get what Jesus is on about. My heart joined with his heart. That's what this bit's talking about. Okay, praying in Jesus' name. And then whatever you ask for, it will be done for you. More likely than not, you are praying what's on Jesus' heart. And as those two things come together, that's a beautiful thing. And that's what abiding in Christ looks like in prayer. Not just a, in, in Jesus' name. Actually, that's upsetting. Something upsets me because I've got God's heart in here for people. And it might even be where your background and where you've come from. There is a God who loves the planet we walk on, who loves the person sitting next to you, and who loves the person sat wherever, and your neighbour, and his heart breaks. And he has given an answer in Jesus, the true vine. And we're the branch that bears fruit to show that Jesus loves and he is a saviour. Last one. You awake? Good, good. You're going to love this one. Love for other followers of Jesus. Love one another. Jesus calls his disciples friends. Okay? Love one another. Later on, he calls them brothers. It gets closer and closer and closer. Jesus calls us to love one another. Jesus' love expressed through giving up his life for his disciples and you. Jesus' love is expressed by dying on that cross for you. Okay? Jesus' love is also expressed through him wanting you to know truth, which is something we kind of sometimes miss. There's a big guy that I worked with. He's one of the only guys that has ever sat me down, looked at me and said, Paul, you are one of the grumpiest people I've ever worked with. I think you need to sort your life out. His name was Ben. Do you remember Ben Wicks? And I genuinely, I love that man for that because someone has got the guts to sit me down and give me truth. Jesus has the guts to sit down with you and tell you the truth of where you need to sort your life out because he loves you. He wants the best for you. Okay? He wants the best for you. That's why this stuff produces joy along the way. Bearing fruit produces joy because ultimately it sets you on the path away from just stuff. It sets you on the path to living God's way which he originally tended us to live. And that's freedom. And that's liberation. And that's joy. There's no greater dignity shown to us than Jesus dying for us. And when this friendship with Jesus imprints dignity on our hearts, then we want to share it with others because it's available to all mission. Okay? But in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, it talks about loving one another as an expression of Jesus' love, laying down our lives for one another, speaking truth, to one another, but out of the right angle. 
because we want the best. But it's love with action and truth, not with words alone. It's practical. It's grounded. It's gritty and it's every day. Practical sacrifice just as Jesus has shown his love for us. I'm going to round up. So what's our response? Does that make sense? You understand the vine? Being Israel, Jesus, re-establishing mission, the true vine. We are the branches. We bear fruit. That fruit is for the splendor of God and the light to the Gentiles. All right? What's Jesus saying? First off, remain in Jesus. Let Jesus' words remain in you. Remain in Jesus' love and obey like Jesus obeyed. Love one another. Remember, Jesus called you first. He has called you to bear fruit that will last. He called you first to bear fruit that will last, not just to have short bursts of emotional praise that ends, but true change, true life change that is a display to people around us. The vine then gives its lifeblood out to all of the branches and produces a huge amount of fruit. Have you ever seen a grapevine with one little grape? No. Doesn't work like that. That'd be a bit wet. It would be funny. I've got to, I would quite laugh at that. But grapevine produces bunch, bunches of grapes. Jesus gave his blood for the mission of God and all who believe in him are the branches connected to the vine and it's us who bear fruit. Firstly, fruit for the salvation of other people. Okay? Don't presume your fruit bearing is just for you and just about you. I'm being really blunt and honest. It is about you, but that's not the end of the story. You are the display and the splendor of God on this planet and the light unto the Gentiles. Okay? That's the bit. I know I keep saying the same thing, but it's on purpose. I want us to get that bit because this isn't just about us. It's about the world around us. And it's not just an inner, inner mystical state or inward serenity. It's a moral relationship. I'm going to finish in by saying one thing, and it's literally this. I think one of the beautiful things that Jesus is clearly saying here is there is a life of worship to live in obeying Christ. There is a mission that we are on to bear fruit. And you cannot separate the two. And neither should we separate the two. It's not that I'm going to follow Christ and over here I might be a bit evangelistic. One produces the other for the glory of God among the nations. You can't separate them. Jesus isn't saying you've got this bit and this bit. It's both. Do you, do you see that in the, in the vine metaphor? Yeah? God at work in our lives. Why? To, for our good, yeah. Because he loves us, yeah. But to be a display and a splendor to the nations. Don't forget the nations.